Welcome to the Global Band Room, a podcast that brings you stories, news and great guests from across the world of wind, brass, marching band and drum corps. My name is Keith Kelly and I'm a band director from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands and how they're making an impact on their communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at globalbandroom.com and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Global Bandroom. And now on with the show. Welcome back to the Bandroom. I have a great guest on today's show. I'm going to be talking to Courtney Brandt about her book Confessions of a Teenage Band Geek. But first, some news. The Association of Concert Bands is holding a webinar on April 11th entitled How to Produce Successful Virtual Performances, Tips from the US Army Field Band. This webinar is part of a series of webinars called ACB Connects and it's going to focus on topics such as simple versus professional equipment, leveraging social media, maximizing viewership and engagement, copyright considerations, marketing and partnerships. So there's a lot in there for anyone that's been producing virtual band performances at any stage over the last year and might plan to do so some more over the coming year. And you can find out all about that webinar over at acbbands.org Now Con Selmer are also hosting a number of webinars this week on Wednesday April 14th they'll be hosting two of these webinars at 7pm there'll be a webinar focused on student leaders and four student leaders uh, presented by Tim Latzenhauser, Fran Troike and Dr. Matthew Arau who we've had here on the podcast and this will be all about how to prepare for and fulfill the duties of selection to the leadership team and they'll also be looking at different ways of defining leadership in music and how to avoid some of the mistakes student leaders often make. And then at 8pm there'll be a webinar for music educators entitled Can't We All Just Play Together? The Process of Ensemble Timing and this will feature Brian Dinkle and the Blue Devil Scott Johnson as well. So you can find the links to both of those webinars in our show notes over at globalbandroom.com and head over there, register and it's all for free. And speaking of Con Selmer, the Con Selmer Institute Connects is back this year and is going to run from June 14th to 17th. So this is 90 plus new live online clinic present presentations. Um, early bird registration is open now. So if you'd like to find out more about what the whole uh, webinar and what the whole series is going to be about, you can head over to conselmerinstitute.com and I'm sure we're going to be talking more about that over the coming weeks and talking to plenty of the clinicians that are going to be taking part in it too. So that is conselmerinstitute.com to find out more about that. And lastly, I have been updating the website globalbandroom.com to make sure that we have all of the documentaries, all of the shows represented on there and all of the information is up to, up to date. So if you haven't checked out the website globalbandroom.com, uh, head over there, check out the show notes, leave a message, connect with me. Um, I would love to uh, hear from you at some stage. So that's globalbandroom.com. So, without any further ado, let's head over to our interview with Courtney Brandt, author of Confessions of a Teenage Band Geek. 
So I'm delighted to be joined today by a very different guest for me this week. Um, normally I'm talking to composers and band directors, but I'm going to be trying over the next couple of months to talk to people from around the band world. You know, we say that in the podcast, you know, at the introduction, but I never actually do it. So this week I'm talking to an author within the band world, Courtney Brandt, uh, who is the author of Confessions of a Teenage Band Geek. And i uh, it's a really fun book, and I'm delighted to be uh, welcoming Courtney here today. Courtney, how are you? I'm doing well, and thank you so much for having me. I love talking about band, marching band, anything, so let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I mean, you're in Dubai nowadays, and um, you're writing about food quite a bit as well. And so how often do you get to talk about marching band and relive marching band? Is, is it very often? Just depends. So I, as a published author, I have 12 novels. So it's kind of just a matter of managing my time and dividing my time. And um, with Confessions coming out late last year, um, it was fun to refocus and reconnect um, with some of the marching band world. And my publisher, Muse Media, um, they do a great job in coming up with lots of fun stuff on social that really does keep me connected. Um, obviously, we're coming, we're looking at summer, we're wondering if, you know, DCI, I know it's very limited right now from what I've been seeing. I'm hopeful for all the participants, obviously the marching arts, we've missed that element and that live experience 100%, um, but obviously it has to be done safely. We have to look at the, the performers and the educators and keeping everyone safe and hopefully it goes ahead. And I think as we record this, um, DCI made a big announcement yesterday that there is going to be a, a tour of sorts this year, finals of a sort, although it's it's more of a celebration of the activity, which could be quite cool in itself. And there's no competition, you know, the, the sort of creativity that's going to happen this year could be really interesting. Did you march DCI by any chance? I did not, and it is one of my life's biggest regrets. So when I was a younger person, let's say this was, this would have been probably the summer of 99 or 2000, I would have marched. And a lot of my friends were with Crown or Spirit because I grew up in Atlanta. And um, so I would have, this was before Crown, I think became the powerhouse that they are. Not that they haven't always been great. Um, but looking back, I really do wish I had done a summer with either Spirit or um, Crown. It just, um, yeah, if I had a time machine, it's honestly one of the things I would do. Hey, I always say, I wish that I had a found DCI before I was 32. I wasn't a clarinet player and I didn't live in Ireland, you know, so I have lots of regrets. Too. You, you got to change, you got to go back. <laughs> exactly. Although having said that, so let's let's get back into um, sort of your, your marching band background, because I say I'm a clarinet player and so I wasn't able to do that sort of thing you you weren't originally a drummer no right? um i played i was one of the weirdos i i loved the oboe from the very first time <laughs> I, I found it when i was 11 or 12 um, and i played all the way through my sophomore year at university um obviously a double read does not march um i know some high school bands sometimes get them on the field and for that i think it's amazing um so i knew you know i had the ability to read music all of my friends were going into marching band of course i wanted to be a part of it so um I just went to Front Ensemble or The Pit uh, at my high school, and then I just became obsessed with drumline, like, absolutely. And I practiced, and I learned, and I went up against, you know, people who've been drumming for much longer than me, and um, ultimately I made the battery. I was very happy to be um, a bass drummer, and I played second bass for two years. And I always, the thing about for my second bass players out there is that the first player, the first bass player can play a note, but until the second bass player plays something, 
there's, there's, there's no continuation. So it was a very esteemed role. Like that's what I told myself. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're creating that interval. I am. That works the inter- no one knows until I, you know, until the drum gets hit. So exactly. um, no, I had, a, I had an amazing that's that's really cool, and and I to to make draw some comparisons with um, Julia from the book. Um, she's not an oboe player, but she's a drummer of a different style. She's like this cool rock band drummer from the West Coast, and all of a sudden she finds herself in marching band in a new environment. And um, I mean, are you drawing parallels? Were you able to draw on your own experience of being yeah, I mean, to so, a drum line? So I moved um, after graduating at the University of Georgia, I moved to Los Angeles um, and that's where I mm. wrote all my books. And I wanted to make marching band accessible from a place for people who might not necessarily have gone to the activity. So I was a band geek from day one. It was always going to be a part of me. Uh, but I wanted to kind of have that outsider experience. Um, but I wanted her to have percussive skills as well. Um, and so kind of finding out about marching band through a junior um, is to me was an interesting kind of like take on it. Um, so I assume there's parallels of just anyone who's moved to a different city or country or wherever. And um, yeah, that's what I wanted Julia to kind of experience and go through. Yeah, because she is quite a badass, actually. Like she's she's a, she, like she's a really cool drummer, and I I wonder, like as an oboe player, that mightn't have played drums before. Was there sort of a, a wish fulfillment in that? that oh man, if I had have been able to play drums at the beginning of this, it would have been so much easier. I mean, and I still can't play set, and I'm honestly, you know, I have friends that <laughs> are still teaching. I have friends that are studio drummers. I, you know, music, um, and maybe it was I was very fortunate in my marching program, but. You know, there are people that are still, you know, that's their that's their career is music, whether it's in a studio or playing or teaching. Um, and I think that that speaks a lot to uh, to the experience that, that we had or writing about it like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about sort of that move and, and, and you you moved sort of the, the opposite direction to Julie. You went to, to the West Coast mm-hmm. um, and, and Julie mo- moves uh, to uh, Atlanta, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Uh, And, um, you know, certainly, I mean, no matter where you are in the world uh, and if you're involved in bands at any point, uh, certainly in Europe, you know, we we, we, band is a lifelong activity. I've changed band three times. And so, you know, I'm not uh, not an American teenager. I'm not a drummer. Uh, I didn't do the whole high school collegiate marching band thing, but I can certainly um, draw parallels between changing band and being that fish out of water because every band has such a different um, uh, atmosphere and uh, set, a set of rules. And uh, d- did you find that when, when you moved to the West Coast? Was that a big change I was, for you? I was very fortunate to move with a number of friends from my program. So I was a journalism uh, major and there were a bunch of us and I was like a film studies minor. So we we're all going into the entertainment industry. I mean, what's weird is that I wrote this, I wrote Confessions, like especially the first draft before I moved overseas. Um, now, you know, that was a big kind of experience that it was my husband, myself and our two cats and we didn't know anyone. And now, you know, this is, this is my life is here in Dubai. Um, so I think it's scary, but I think, um, you know, you're going to experience something new. Fiction is a kind of a fun way to explore that. Um, so hopefully there's something that resonates for, for readers. 
Definitely. Um, tell me about the, um, the the move to Dubai and 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 uh, how after so many years you're able to continue to sort of um, put yourself in a position of that marching band and why it why it's continued to be this this love of of yours. You know, you're writing about food all the time and and that's very relevant to your your life now. But you like to delve back into marching band to sort of tell me about that. that yeah, that, I think yeah. Um, the the move was uh, for my husband's work, and we said in 2007 course we'll give this a year or two and now it's like 14 years later and we've lived in three different cities uh, two countries and marching has been a constant it's it's there's a real rise and fall that you can look forward to over the summer uh following the dci and then in the you know the fall of course when everyone starts back and so i like my google alerts so they're just like just to see the, the cycle of it all happen and um, so in rewriting this and in editing and coming up with this brand new draft. And then I had always had in my mind an idea for a sequel. And I just never wrote it until last year because I was in lockdown like most people. And um, so it, it's just, I think I'll always love it. And, and yeah, I have no problem winning. Like I'm 41, but I love writing young adult novels. I've written, I'm working on not like numbers, I think. 10 and 11 right now. So I'm always going to be a 16 year old somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell me a little bit about sort of the impact because, you know, as educators, we, you know, and I've spoken to, to quite a few of them over the year, we all tell ourselves, and of course we do, we all tell ourselves that what we're doing and what we're teaching, um, is going to have a, a huge impact on people's lives, even if they don't do it as a, as a career. Um, has it it clearly has impacted you that you still write about it now but outside of just the writing has it has it changed you has it been formative to your life and and to how you go about your 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 career it's like I'll always be writing and and I'm always working on something so I used to average a book a year um, and I think that sounds like a lot and I have friends that are like I want to write a book and, and I, it's anybody can write a book. There's nothing special. I didn't go to school for it. You can commit a thousand words a day because you're already doing it. You are already writing in an email and texting and it's, like, take all the words you write in a day easily. And if a thousand sounds like too much, do 500, right? So I'm always writing a book. Um, it just kind of got amped up last year um, because I published four and wrote two, which I'll, never going to do again but um it, it, there's highs and lows as well because um confessions even the, the previous draft has been optioned twice uh for film and television it's never gone to film and television but i know there's something in it and i've, I've always wanted mm. to see it so i think i'm just motivated by either my characters uh finishing their story like i'm working on right now knowing that their story maybe isn't complete or there's something more i want to talk about um, so it's just kind of a, it's just a phase. Like right now, it's all red ink and, and editing and trying to really get into that good draft. Um, but when I'm just writing a rough draft, it's super fun because I don't put, the, I don't put, I, I don't put any um, restrictions on myself. Like, okay, let's make, let's write this. And then when I go to edit, okay, I might need to take some out other stuff and write new scenes. Um, but to me, writing is just, it's like. Yeah, it's every day, every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about marching band as a topic for fiction, though, because um, I, I'm not aware of many uh, works like this, many novels, uh, TV programs, 
uh, I know of the the movie Drumline, <laughs> like we probably all do. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, for something that's so prominent, particularly in the US, um, but elsewhere in the world as well. Um, you know, we have movies about football. We have movies about baseball. We have movies about, uh, you know, even dance yeah. a lot yeah. of the time. Why do you think marching band hasn't been something that we have focused on in pop culture a little bit more, given that we have so many thousands and hundreds of thousands of kids and adults to to a degree um, involved in the activity? I, I don't know why it hasn't caught on to me. I mean, it's so I have a built in audience in every high school in the country. Literally, it's built into that. Um, there have been some wonderful documentaries. Um, I know, I think um, the Blue Devils for sure have done uh, at least one or two. Um, you know, there's smaller ones, especially maybe around WGI. For in a fictional way, I have no idea why it's not been, you know, there needs to be better representation because the high school experience can be any number of things. And again, if I go back to this book specifically, you know, confessions would be that, you know, we can start, I like, I can picture it as in, you know, moving across country, boom, like there's your inciting incident. That's something I want to kind of see. So whether it was, it could be, you know, a series, it could be uh, a film. Um, I don't, I honestly don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't think, always the entertainment industry wants to take risks, but I feel like this is, could be pretty low budget. Um, right. And um, yeah, I mean, I was, um, Drumline was actually filmed in Atlanta and a few of my friends were um, extras because it filmed at Georgia Tech. Um, and there's nothing, I don't want to take anything away from the HBCU experience because it's very different than what I went through. Um, and I like that there's diversity around that kind of film that's been out. Uh, but right. I think, you know, to, to really follow a one competitive band or drumline or any section, really, like, yeah, I like drumline, but there's other, you know, places you could, you could see it. Um, it, it just, it's like the, the pageantry of it all is the other thing. It really lends itself to cinema. Like, if you watch any clip, and I'll just keep using DCI as an example, go to any of the finals, you can't stop watching. You get the goosebumps. And I'm like but this could just go on screen. Like you could do a fictional version of this. Um, and, you know, in my uh, third book that I haven't written, I would love to see Julia join. I had like t been toying with creating a fictional female core. Um, I like the directions the cores are taking now to be all inclusive. So I, I probably wouldn't do that, but it, it would be fun for me to her to have her experience a summer with DCI. Mm, I, 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 I'd be really interested to read that. But you are right. I mean, the, the, the drama of, of drum corps or competitive marching band um, at all, the drama of it, the competition, the pageantry, the color, the, the relationships, the turbos. I mean, what? The sound, what the soundtrack. Isn't? Like, it's right there. The soundtrack, of course. How did I forget that? I mean, it's just the most dramatic made-for-TV spectacle, surely. Yes, and, I, and hopefully someone will hear that. I mean, I sent, I sent the book to get coverage, which is essentially like when they read like a synopsis. Um, and it just, even I have friends that are still in the industry. And yeah, I don't know. I need to, hopefully the right person's listening. That's all I would say is that, you know, this is a property, uh, whether it's mine or another person's story, it should be told. And I think that it would open the door for maybe others as well. 
um, we should get a pilot together. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I know all the big TV execs, they all listen to the Global yes. Band Room. And <laughs> the, I just need them to, to email me and key to Global Band Room. We'll get you in touch with Courtney. We'll make sure that this happens. It, this has to happen. Um, but yeah, maybe, you know what? Maybe after we've missed it for 2020, maybe this explosion of creativity in 21 and 22 you know maybe maybe it's time and i i do think um speaking as an outsider that's only come to this in the last five years um i do think that the marching arts is on the cusp of of something big i really do you know and and you can see it in drum corps i mean even in the last five or six years the move that they've gone the, the, the transition it's taken to become this incredibly creative different types of uniforms it's it doesn't look anywhere like what it looked like 10 years ago or 20 years ago it doesn't look like marching band anymore yeah. it's it's art on the field yeah no I obviously I, I fully agree and I um it just seems so obvious really at this point that um somebody could pick up um you know I'm it's like I would say, my sale price is not very high right for it to, to go um but it's um it just is is very, very obvious to me. So I, I hope you're right. I hope it reaches a critical mass and that um, somebody just catches part of something and goes, hey, what's that about? You know, I need to know more about that. That's really engaging. I'm really interested in that. And the other thing is the performers work so hard. So for all the, you know, um, football shows and cheerleading shows and dance shows, I, I think that um, that takes away from all the hours that get put into putting on a halftime show or, you know, a, a summer show with DCI and um, that, you know, like in 10 to 13 minutes, all the moves and coordinating all those people and learning all that music and doing all this drill, like that we need to give those people some time so that other people can appreciate what they're doing. <laughs> no, it, it, I, I can't I can't wait to watch the uh, the Netflix drama. So tell me a little bit about um re-editing the book then for 2020. Yeah, it's so fascinating yeah. because um the first draft would have been written in probably 2009, 2010. Um this was one of the fastest books I ever wrote. I remember that for sure. It's like Julia's voice was very strong. It was very easy to connect with. And, and then um, uh, Christine, who's from Halftime Magazine, uh, she put out a call on um, you know, social media and said, hey, I'm looking for authors. Uh, I had known her for, for some time. We met at the Rose Bowl uh, right before I left for Dubai. And um, I said, yeah, I, you know, I've got a, I have six marching books. Yep, six. But this one, Confessions, is the one that I really wanted to connect with a larger audience. And um, I thought it was worth the time to go back and do that. Um, there were some references to take out. Social media has definitely changed a lot in the last 10 years. Um, but otherwise, and, and making the book um, a little more diverse. I mean, obviously, um, I'm a white woman, but I thought I could do better at representation. And I, that's a challenge I take on with all my books now that um you know my experience can't be the only one should, there should be lots of voices in the book so uh we worked and back and forth all summer and then yeah went to publish in november and reviews so far have been good um i think we, we kept the integrity of, of the character and the book itself uh, but it's a better uh more cohesive as in 
working with different editors to say, oh, you know, this transition, or oh, we really buffed up some of the characters who were a little maybe one note before, now they're more developed. Um, so it's still, you know, the, the core of the book is there, but it's the best version it can be. Tell me about those biggest changes when it comes to um, 20, 2010 <laughs> to, to 2020. Obviously, social media you mentioned already. I mean, and I mean you know, it's hard now to put more in because um, it can change so much. So even you know, if you look at um, a digression or progression, however you look at it, from Instagram to TikTok, um, you know, I'm very <laughs> active on social media through my food writing, um, and I'm like very reluctant to go on to TikTok, even though, you know, the virality there is amazing. So I'd almost say I pulled back to make it more like not going to, okay, let's have them text because that might look different in a little bit. Or what does it look like if they're posting or somebody buying something on social media that they're not supposed to? That sort of crux isn't going, it's going to get all real fast. So I don't need to keep updating this book every, you know, two or three years. Right. <laughs> really trying to, I think, almost say, what's the character driven? Can I put these people together in a scene rather than them calling or texting or doing something like that? It'll just be easier right. if they're in person. The TikTok edition of the book is coming next year. <laughs> I mean, I tried, and I am. It's it's not. I, I, and my hats off to those who can do it because it's a real skill set that I do not have. <laughs> right, <laughs> definitely. I've been trying to figure out ways to bring the global band room to TikTok, and it just keeps on coming back to me being talented in front of a screen, and 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 I, you know, that's just not happening. So I feel like you could do duets, like you could do. Almost like the sea shanty took off. That's probably aging myself, but I love the sea shanty. But if you did a part and then somebody else did the next round and then you do like that, um, instead of a voice, you could be an instrument. You're definitely assuming I can sing, Courtney. <laughs> you could play the clarinet and somebody could pick up a harmony or a um, melody, I guess. <laughs> True. Tell me about the move to Dubai. Um, and have you been able to have any band experience? I, I know I've had a number of Irish friends actually go to the Middle East and, and teach within the military and the police forces there. Is band a thing really in Dubai it's at all? It's not. I connected with a wonderful um, drummer and she was from Syria. I think she's still here. She was really trying to start a Dubai-based marching experience, let's say. She had even partnered, I want to say, with Bands of America. And I feel like they had some like initial conversations of like there were going to be some people coming over here, and then um, they were going to go somewhere. I don't think it ever did. I will say what's really funny in such a small world one of my friends is very connected with the Blue Knights and uh, Colorado uh, GM, and he's, I don't he's very connected with the core, but the Blue Knights flew to Bahrain to perform at an F1 race, and I was like, bro, you're like an hour away from me, but I couldn't, obviously, it was, like, no F1, so it was like really hectic, but I just thought, you know, like, literally marching bands can take you anywhere. Um, I know the Blue Devils have gone to, you know, various places, and RCC, I think, out of Southern California, you know, they get picked up in all sorts of film and television um but it's it's not as connected as I want to be when I was sometimes when I've been home I've tried to connect around uh maybe like a regional um because I usually come home in the summer um so if I'm in Atlanta which is where my parents are um I might try and do the big southeast one 
Uh, but that's there's a lot of coordination that goes along for that. So it's just not as much as I'd like. But I, again, with social media and everything being, you know, present. So I can, it's funny, like I'll wake up here and especially when the scores are coming in from the West Coast, like, oh, like, oh, okay, this is, this is the score. Because I'll be, it's like 11 hours behind me. So mm. <laughs> they're going to bed and I'm waking up and I can see what's going on. It's it's pretty good timing for you, actually. I think it's a little bit more awkward here. It's like either really late at night or really early in the morning for us here in, in Ireland. But I'm sure it's probably probably slightly better for you, actually. Um, <clears throat> and tell me about like, you know, can, do you see if cars were to travel a little bit more? And I know Boston are coming to Ireland, for instance, next year. And, and I know that will translate really well. You know, marching bands, the, the marching arts, a very Western sort of experience. From your experience of living there, do you think that marching band would translate well if, if Blue Knights or Blue Devils or you know Blue Coats, all the blues <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> if they were to travel and perform and do a tattoo, and do you think it would translate well? Do you think there'd be an audience for it and, and then potentially a, a a student body that would take part in something like that I, it's because i don't have kids i'm a little disconnected i mean i have we have friends and they all have kids and things here because there's not necessarily a and i would say when i say collegiate i mean like intramural kind of experience here that i know of i don't know exactly like i can see we have this beautiful place called global village which all the like I think 30 plus countries are represented and it's every day. It's almost like a little Epcot center, but not. Um, so they have like authentic artisans and things like that. And people, I could see if there was like a marching band playing there on a daily basis, almost like Disney, like when you go and they have a little marching band. Right. Play. Um, I could see people kind of connecting with that. Um, but otherwise it is a really foreign kind of concept to like, I think, symphonies have played here there's a beautiful um we have an opera house now and we have uh, in abu dhabi in the capital there's some other performance places Emirates palace and so we've had different orchestras come over um and and but not necessarily a band per se uh, plenty of rock bands but not marching bands so i think it would be interesting to to see how it was covered or attended really yeah because uh, it it's it's exploded in parts of asia in 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 uh, indonesia and malaysia and it it really has translated so well because there's this dedication um in, in, to to the arts in those countries um tell me talking about dedication to 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 the arts i mean we as as marching band people i think sometimes we underestimate how hard working we are sometimes and you know there's, there's this idea that we're just practicing and practicing and practicing and it, it tends to translate into our into our lives later later on you're you're a really prolific author i mean you're, you mentioned like publishing four and writing two in one year do you, you put some of that work ethic down to your time in marching band? oh for sure and so when i think back to drumline i mean i made it a goal at 15 yeah that's when i would have auditioned like i am going to make the battery whether like this is my goal and if it doesn't happen i don't know what i would have done so I practiced like an hour every day and I made it. And I think that there was a real lesson that at 15, you can work hard for something and it can happen. So, um, you know, most people, I think, it, again, I'll go back to my thousand words. It sounds like so much. And I think there's a thousand distractions right now. You could have, you know, health, and there's like a, endless distractions. Uh, but maybe if, if I really think about it, that my time in marching band would have 
would have proved to me, you know, like it's worth it. Like put in the time, like stay with this thing. Um, and I don't know how many activities, you know, or if, if people walk away with the exact same thing, you know, that I do, because look, I had a band of there are 250 of us, you know, not everyone's writing a book, but, you know, maybe they went on to be a lawyer or maybe they went on to be, uh, you know, something else that required that kind of time. Um, no, I think, um, unfortunately, my, well, my two youngest nieces, I would love nothing better. They're currently 18 months and four months, so they're a little ways away from it. <laughs> uh, but I, I would love, love for them to be involved. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's also a great way um, to go through high school. My mom has a book club and she like has them read my book sometimes. And I'm not kidding, like two of the two of the women in her book club, like their kids like full on went drumline and she's like, I'm pretty sure it was because of you. <laughs> like they were and, and they and they loved it and they're high school and I can see, you know, via social media that they're, you know, they're you know they have the Friday night games and then have the rehearsals and they're on the bus to go compete um, and it's just a really um, I think it's a really accepting place I don't know if every sport or intramural experience is quite that way um, you know I went to a massive high school my graduating class was over 600 people and you needed something to kind of define yourself and find yourself and for me that was for sure marching band one of the things that I've noticed over the last year, I've been creating content a lot more over the last year than I've ever done in my life. I'm so I'm certainly not the only person out there that that, that finds themselves in that boat. Um, but uh, getting that feedback now, I don't deal with editors or publishers, but dealing with that feedback can be can be really difficult sometimes. As an author, you have to deal with editors and publishers the whole time. Do you feel that like working with a with a marching band and with instructors and with a team, learning that teamwork, do you think that that kind of helped you to work with editors and publishers a little bit more as, as you moved into your career? I think there's some piece of it. I would also say probably detrimentally that the ego that comes with being in the drumline, and especially in a very good one like I was in, I don't know if it's like been a confidence thing or not, because, <laughs> you know, ultimately like, I just, it's always been a personality trait since I was on the line, like that, like, I'm just, I'm doing things, like, I'm doing it, I'm not, it doesn't occur to me, I mean, yes, we all have imposter syndrome and things like that, but for the most part, I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, you don't get permission to become, you know, a food writer or an author or some of the things I've done or start a podcast even, right, like, no one's, no one's, it's something you have to be driven to do versus, like, when you, you know, you know, apply for a job, you're either going to get it or you're not. Um, I think certain parts of, of what I've done have been, you know, driven by like, well, I'm going to do it. Of course I'm going to do it. Like, this is just what happens. And I don't know if I, if I hadn't been in specifically the section I was in, if it would, if it would have turned out that way. Tell me a little bit about um, your your role now you you mentioned that you you, you know social media and, and your work with social media and, and promoting your food and promoting um your work through social media um i talk to band directors and i'm very lucky to to get to work with some people that work directly in music marketing a lot and i'm actually writing my first article right now at the moment a published article for music marketing and, and how bands can do a better job because we don't i know there's blue devils and their social media team yep. and there's 
you know, Ohio goes viral every time that they do something. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I don't think that most groups out there are putting themselves forward in the best light. Now, maybe it's probably slightly better within the American banding scene um, than, than the European. Um, but what can we do? What like If there's a band director listening or a social media manager or maybe a, a student leader that's been given control of their... Um, their social media, which might be a good step for many band directors to do, actually. Um, what can we do to show our art in the best possible way? So I think, um, and literally, um, this comes up a lot, that you know how I entered the market late is kind of like a content creator, food person, especially in Dubai, like really late to what I was doing. There are already so many established people and all the rest of it. I think with any social media, you just have to be consistent. Um, and that's another skill that, that I think we get from the marching arts, which is like you show up for practice, you can, you know, like you can right. just do these things. And I think if you do them enough and you engage enough, um, you know, hopefully if you're putting up interesting content or consistent content, that people will come back to read it or see it or be a part of it. Um, I mean, look, I struggle with it every day and it is, you know, like as, as much fun as Instagram maybe used to be now, it's like, it's a job. Like I have to go on it and I have to post stuff and, and it's fine. Um, and I get, um, I mean, there's always new stuff coming out. Like now I'm doing reels and uh, I'm trying to do them. Um, so it's, I think tr it's almost like just try it on, see what sticks. I mean, there's some wonderful programs out there like Canva, which is free. You could do so much with Canva. And, and when people haven't heard of it, I'm like, just go crazy on there. Like literally go do whatever you want and you can, you know, hopefully get licensed images, you know, don't be borrowing people's stuff, um, but then make your own and be fun with it. And, and you could, you know, it's marching Monday or it's what, you know, like there's a, a thousand things you could do with it. And there's also content calendars that already exist. You don't have to do this yourself. You can go and go, okay, Here's, a, here's what a month of, of programming looks like and content looks like. I'll just follow this guide because somebody's already done it. Um, so I would say like the resources that are free, that are good are out there and just to follow them, but be consistent. You can't go, okay, I'm going to do this for a week and then I'm going to stop. Like you got to keep going. Um, and it does get tiring and it does get not annoying, but like it's a special kind of creative energy um, and yeah, it, you really have to show up to do it. It's a, it's a skill. It becomes a skill. I think maybe at the beginning, it's like, oh, this is interesting. Um, and then you can see, you know, like I started a newsletter for my food stuff back in October. And I'm now like obsessed with like who opens what and what is tracking. And, and like <laughs> you can geek out on any of it. Um, but find the thing that's like interesting for you and, and what motivates you to do it. And then ultimately, hopefully helps your organization. No, I, I I couldn't agree more on the consistency thing. You know, um, uh, I think sometimes we have those first couple of days of creating the account and all of our friends are liking it. So we're seeing these inflated numbers um, and then it starts trickling down and you're getting like five people a day, maybe following your account. If you're, you know, and you're working really hard for those five yeah. a day. Well, five a day is, you know, it's what, 1800 in a, in a year. You know, over be, over two be. years, three thousand six hundred people for a marching band that will be huge. Yeah. Um, but it's it's about just putting in that that little bit bit of work every day, isn't it? Um, yeah. and, and social media is not going anywhere anytime soon. You know, yes, TikTok has come along. Yes, we have a new platform that comes along all the time. But Facebook is still the king. Uh, Instagram is still huge. 
these other platforms don't die off when something new comes along. It's just another platform. Um, so you're not going to waste your time by by promoting and advocating for your program on um, on, on on social media. And th- and that's the big thing, isn't it? I'm, you know, and we, we, we even even with you, with your books, it's you know, advocating for our art form is so important, whether that's in um, social media with your own program or supporting artists that are writing about um, or creating content around around marketing. Like, it comes I don't want people to think like, okay, maybe they don't have the money to spend on a book or whatever. That's fine. There are still so many things you can do for free to help. So if you went to Amazon or Goodreads and you just said like a wish list or I'd like to read this book, that helps me out. If you, you know, share something across to somebody who might be interested in, like there are just ways you can help authors and other, you know, organizations that require no money and I think that that's where people also get tripped up like oh I want to help but I don't have the money that's fine like completely fine can you share this in a newsletter can you share this link can you put this on Pinterest can you do whatever um that that people shouldn't you know beat themselves up because they don't have the money to spend to say buy a new instrument or whatever it is um you know there's still so many things you can do to be helpful you having me on this podcast a perfect example. We're, we're both interested. Um, I, I love connecting with you and speaking about this, but this was, uh, it's your time that you're giving and my time that I'm giving. And um, of course, I'm very happy to do it. Uh, but I think that people don't seem to recognize that sometimes it, it, what it can look like to help someone can require nothing but time. It can always be free because if you have a larger audience than I do, or you have an audience that maybe I hadn't connected with or something like that, um, fantastic because now so many more people are going to hear and um, you know maybe they'll buy maybe they won't buy immediately maybe they'll buy one day maybe they work at netflix we don't know <laughs> hey that netflix deal is coming courtney um so tell me uh tell me a little bit about this sequel that that's coming out i know you know i can't give any spoilers or anything like that but what do we have to look forward to um with julia this time around yeah. okay so I knew I always wanted to send one of my characters to a big parade. And in the States, there is the Rose Parade, and then there's the Macy's Parade. Um, So they're going to New York. Um, Hijinks are absolutely ensuing right now. Um, There's going to be... um, It's just, it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm stressing (laughs) for Julia out to the max right now. But um, there's, there's... so when, when I talk about cinematic scenes, I'm like, this is like, not like a Ferris Bueller moment, but kind of like that sort of thing happening. And then um, uh, she's going to audition for um, a fictional um, Winter Guard, because that would be the right timing where this, this book takes place. Uh, and then she's going to have some rock band stuff going on. So there'll be some decisions to be made. <laughs> Ooh, so the rock band is sort of calling to her again. Some things, some things will happen. Yes. Yes. No one's seen it yet, so Christine will probably see it in, hopefully I'll finish it this month. Um, So hopefully by the end of April, I will have a a draft off to her. Very cool. Well, I mean, St. Patrick's Day is always a big one to to think about, you know, Julia and the gang can can come and march in Dublin at some stage, maybe. (laughs) For my birthday. I mean, that's the best part. Uh, It's March 17th? Yes, I'm going to say maybe. So, um, I had, I did have an idea for another group of characters to go, I think, um, abroad, 
Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Mm, okay, very interesting. Well, um, we, we, we talked about promoting ourselves on social media, uh, Courtney. So where can people find about uh, out about you and, and everything you're doing? Sure. Um, so um, probably I'm on Amazon if you just look for my name, Courtney Grant. Um, so there'll be six marching novels. Confessions of a Teenage Band Geek is the latest and greatest. And that's the one I would point people towards. Um, I'm on Instagram at cgrantwright, W-R-I-G-H-T. Um, I'm pretty active over there. If you want to know about food stuff, um, I'm very active on uh, all socials as A2Zatar, um, A-T-O-Z-A-A-T-A-R. But yeah, look me up on Amazon or Goodreads. I'm, I'm very active, so if you have a question, I would absolutely love to hear it. Um, and I'm happy to talk about, yeah, <laughs> all things marching, <laughs> anything related to it. Um, it's I love my characters and I love, uh, you know, connecting with people in the marching arts community. So. And, and a word of warning to anyone that you're going to be very hungry yeah, after you see all those photographs. Yeah. It, so Zatar is a local spice. It's, um, ah. it's a Middle Eastern spice. And so it's like A to Z or A to Z, as you would say. Um, so it's, uh, I came up with the name like five years ago. I was like, I have to do something with this. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, I get to go to a lot of places. Um, and yeah, food and travel, it's, um, it's fun, food writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun, Courtney, to have you um, on the show. And uh, hopefully uh, we, this is the first of many times when, we get, when you release the sequel, uh, I'd love to have you back on and we can talk about Julia's new adventures. Thank you. 100%. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much to Courtney for joining me on this week's episode. I'm very much looking forward to that Netflix series or that big summer blockbuster movie that's going to be coming soon. I'll be back next week talking to more great guests from around the band world. So head over to wherever you get your podcast from and make sure you subscribe. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Global Bandroom and on our website, globalbandroom.com. So until then, stay safe and I'll see you back in the band room.